Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of 280B or not 280B. We continue along some obstetrics. Um, go and read the Ritty modules. <laughs> it's the top learning point from these podcasts. Um, so having said, I'm not going to read about fetal bi- biometry and fetal growth. Actually, I'm going to say a few things. Um, mm-hmm. First is by parietal diameter, how do you me- measure it? At the level of the thalami. Mm. From side to and there's side. another thing. Oh, it's from the inner vault to the outer. Yeah, which I think is tricksy and weird, mm-hmm. isn't yeah. it? I would do inner to inner. Exactly, or outer to outer. So, yes, good. I'm glad you uh, got that one. And then head circumference, blah. I went to talk about also abdominal. The level of the thalami. Yes. Abdominal at the level of. Mm. Umbilical vein and left portal vein. Oh, I did not remember that. Fine. Uh, and doesn't include the subcutaneous soft tissues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then femur length, what are you not including? The. Yeah, exactly. Um, lovely. We've talked about the rest. So then some pathology. Okay. Intrauterine growth restriction. Yeah. Retardation, says here. Restriction. Restriction. Restriction? Yeah. <laughs> Are you Gia? Yeah. Tell me. Um, this actually comes up. I know something like maternal hypertension is like big risk factor. Yes. So tell me about uh, what would make you think that... Oh, intrauterine. Some... So it's intrauterine growth restriction. So the baby is small. Yes. So surely then you have polyhydramnios. So tell me about the baby being small. How do you know the baby's small? How are you measuring that? So, um, crown rump length, fetal, femur length, circumference, abdominal circumference. Based on? Dates. What are you comparing it to? Oh, um, percentiles. Exactly. So it's below the 10th percentile. Uh, Femur length over abdominal circumference ratio of greater than 23.5. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Maybe it'll come up. Um, and then an umbilical or umbilical, who knows how I say that word correctly, umbilical artery systolic over diastolic yeah. ratio, so like an RI yeah. of greater than four. Okay. Very good. Um, but remember that if someone's below the 10th percentile, if a baby's below the 10th percentile, they might just be a tiny little bab. Um, if they've got normal Dopplers, it's probably fine. Um, but so you were about to tell me about the fluid yeah so I'm presuming if the baby's small there's more fluid so is there polyhydramnios yeah so it says if the child is small suggesting RUGR and there's oligohydramnios oh so little um, or polyhydramnios that's probably a problem yeah so something weird like if the measurements are fine then it's probably fine it's like all in proportion right um and the most common cause for developing oligohydramnios during the third trimester Mm -hmm. um i I think it sort of all comes under the same in that it's (coughs) fetal growth restriction associated with placental insufficiency which sort of is preeclampsia isn't it placental insufficiency they're sort of one and the same um right tell me about how do we uh, what are the two different types of IUGR? So polyhydramnios. No, no, that's the fluid. Yeah. The growth restriction. 
One's going to be because of an insult and one's going to be because of sort of things that have been going on throughout the pregnancy. Oh, yeah. So one is more to do with like the mother taking drugs, etc. That's the second one in the textbook, mm-hmm. I think. And one is due to... Like an insult in the third, like as the pregnancy develops. So you've got asymmetrical yeah. and symmetrical. Yeah. So asymmetrical, what happens? An insult. So if um think about like evolutionary terms, yeah. what would be spared? What would you keep over your everything? Your head, exactly. So you get head sparing. Yeah. The body tries to protect the brain. Yeah. You see this mainly in the third trimester. Yeah. And it's as a result of extrinsic factors. Yeah. Okay. Um, so mum having chronic high BP or preeclampsia. Um he says, remember these three high BP. Severe malnutrition and Erlerdam loss. Weird. Fine. Um, symmetric. So as you said, um, this so this doesn't spare the head. The whole fetus is small, yeah. and it's seen throughout the pregnancy. So the whole, t- including the first trimester, yeah. be small okay. fetus. Um, this has a much worse prognosis, which makes sense, yeah. right? If your brain hasn't developed yeah. properly. Um, lots of things to remember. What's our favourite? What was our first ever podcast about? Neurofibromatosis. No, I don't think we've done a podcast on that. Surely it's come up. Neuro. Um, remember, we had to go over it like four times because we couldn't get the recording to work. Old Rupert. Old Rupert. Don't tell me. Old Rupert. Don't tell me. <laughs> it's not herpes, is it? No. It's one, one of them. Don't tell me. What's the whole... Which one's the R? Rubella. <coughs> no, oh. what's the whole thing we torch. did? Torch, yeah. Oh, yeah. So any torch uh, infection. Old Rupert is one of them. It's one of them. Yeah. He's Rubella, yeah. But I didn't think he'd remember torch. <laughs> um, so there are a bunch of causes for symmetric IUGR. Yeah. He says I recommend remembering these. Torch infections, yeah. any of those. Yeah. Fetal alcohol syndrome or drug abuse, as you said. Yeah. Chromosomal abnormalities okay. and anemia. Okay, and just remind me, the ones to remember for asymmetrical are high blood pressure, earliest and loss, and... Severe malnutrition. malnutrition. Okay. I'm assuming in the third trimester. It annoys me, because he calls asymmetrical extrinsic, but to me, drug and alcohol is extrinsic. Um, I think they are extrinsic. I think they're all extrinsic, oh, but okay. uh, I think what he say? Well, I suppose chromosomal abnormalities are not. No. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I would ignore that. I don't think about it like that. Um, He talks here about something called a biophysical profile, Mm -hmm. which I've never heard of, and I don't think is mentioned in the Ritty modules that I've done so far. So I'll just run through it quickly once, Mm -hmm. and then we've got it on record, but it may not be useful. He says this was something developed to look for acute and chronic hypoxia. Um, you get points assigned, so you get two for normal, zero yeah. for abnormal, kind of like an APGAR score, I guess. I reckon it is you, is it? Does, it sounds sensible. Yeah. Um, so a score of eight to ten is considered normal. Yeah. And then um, to call something abnormal, you have to be there with the probe for 30 minutes. That's why I wonder why this isn't yeah. done. Um, so something, um, so to assess chronic hypoxia, um, you would be looking at the amniotic fluid and seeing if there's at least one pocket that measures two centimetres or more in a vertical plane, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then all the rest are to assess for acute hypoxia. So that one was chronic hypoxia. Yeah. 
for whatever reason, you yeah. then make too much fluid. And then acute hypoxia, you're looking for fetal movement. Yeah. So you want three or more discrete movements. Yeah. Fetal tone, you want at least one episode of fetal extension from flexion. So, yeah. I guess. Fetal breathing, you want one episode of a breathing motion lasting at least 30 seconds. And then non-stress test, two or more fetal heart rate accelerations yeah. of at least 15 beats per minute and or 30 seconds yeah, or longer. Whatever, we'll move on from that. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the umbilical artery systolic to diastolic ratio. Oh, well, we said more than four was bad. Yes. So, so the resistance in the umbilical artery should progressively decrease with gestational age. So the, by the resistance, are we talking systolic over... No, it just says here the resistance in the umbilical artery. Okay. I'm assuming, therefore, that the diastolic remains the same. Okay. Um, the general rule so is... So it decreases. So the resistance in the umbilical artery should progressively decrease with gestational okay. age. Okay. Yeah, you just don't want it to get higher. Yeah. So does that mean it. that the RI should get... Lower. So, well, if the diastolic yes. staying the same, yeah. the systolic is getting smaller. So, yeah. The RI gets lower. Yeah, yeah fine. Um, the general rule is two to three. Uh, for, this is the ratio now. Um, the general rule is two to three at 32 weeks. The ratio should not be more than three at 34 weeks, okay. as we've said. We said more than four, though. We? we said more than four. a different age, yeah. And, oh, no, I didn't think we said anything okay. about age. I think that's just like the cutoff for totally abnormal. Okay. Um, an elevated ratio means there is high resistance. Makes sense. Um, the more than three after 34 weeks, did you say? Yeah. Okay. So an elevated systolic to diastolic ratio means there is a high resistance. Mm -hmm. High resistance patterns are seen in preeclampsia and in to uterine growth restriction. Yeah. If there is, so worse even than an elevated ratio, if there is absent or reversed diastolic flow, that's a very poor prognosis. That makes, yeah. intu that's intuitive, isn't it? Um, macrosomia. Big, big. Why? Can it not be chromosomal, I guess? Oh, um, also diabetes. Exactly. Um, and again, so we said interuterine growth restriction was less than 10%. 10th percentile. This is more than 90th. 90th percentile, exactly. So maternal diabetes, usually gestational, but can be already pre-existing type 2, is the most common cause. As a but point type 1 as well, isn't it? As a point of trivia, type 1 diabetic mothers can also have babies, oh, can have babies that are small, yeah. secondary to hypoxia from microvascular disease of the placenta. Okay, so not big. So they don't have big ones, they have small little babs because their placentas are rubbish. Yeah. Um, the big issue with being too big is complications during delivery. Shoulder dystocia. Exactly. And after delivery? Hip problems? No. Oh, shoulder problems? No. Big, big. So they're more likely to get hypoglycemia. Oh, yeah. So they're used to this, like, sugar bath. Um, and then meconium aspiration. For some reason, is another risk. Um, I always think. I guess though, if the labour's longer, they're more likely to poo. Really then... nice, love that. That's how okay, that's a good one. Um, I always think about fat baby 
James. He's so fat. The fattest baby born at George's. What's he actually? <laughs> um, yeah, I think he still holds the record. He's so cute. <laughs> oh my god, sorry to interrupt. It's gonna come up later on. Have you seen Baby Surgeons? Baby the Surgeons? Program? No. Is it well good? Well, it's not that good. Oh. But it's based in George's. Is it? And we're gonna talk about a syndrome later on. Yeah. Which I was like, I bet no one ever sees that. It comes out in the episode. Oh, amazing. Okay, yeah. well let's let's wait. So um tell me what so if you get a shoulder dystocia, yeah. what might you have? What might be the consequence of that? Oh Brad of development of the shoulder. Yeah, and what do you get? It's um, classic. It's called... It's like a flat-headed humeral head. Yeah, so you get a brachial plexus injury, uh, yes. right? And, and then so then you get an herbs palsy. And that's when you've injured the upper trunk of your brachial plexus, C5 to C6, most commonly seen in shoulders, toshia. And then you get an aplastic or hyperplastic humeral head. Yeah. Um, and that's... Uh, so that's just a sequelae of the fact they're not using their shoulder properly. What is the clinical presentation... Mm, so I think herbs palsy is there's one that's like the waiters yeah, one, that, and I think it's the other one because they're not able. To so I think it. they're in like flexion or okay. something. I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about amniotic fluid. What do you want to tell me about it? Mm, what's it made up of? Urine mostly. Later on. Yes. Before 16 weeks, what's it made from? Um, before 16 weeks. Not so much. It just says filtrate from the membranes oh. here. So. <laughs> Trick question. Oh, this might be the waiter. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. These pictures are confusing. It doesn't matter. We're not really? clinical. We're not. That's true. Um, after 16... Uh, Winged scapula. That's a long thoracic nerve injury. Would that be related? No. Wow. That's not your brachial plexus. Okay. I don't think so. Anyway. Scapula. Yeah, it's coming out of a load. Fine. Bird winging of the affected scapula. Okay. Can I tell you about amniotic yeah. fluid? Yeah. Um. After 16 weeks, as you said, fluid is made up by the um, fluid is made by the fetus and it's urine. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what uh, what's the circulation? Drink, pee. Yeah, perfect. Um, <laughs> so therefore, if you have oligohydramnios, so you, that is too little. You're not peeing out. You've got a kidney problem. Very nice. And if you've got oligohydramnios, you've got something wrong with your swallowing, whether it's like an atresia or something like that. Real nice. But what's the most common cause of having too much fluid? Uh, polyhydramnios, maternal hypertension. Uh, maternal sugars, actually, no. gestational diabetes. Okay. Um, and then if you were doing an ultrasound and you saw um, third trimester. And you saw some like material in the amniotic fluid. That's normal. It is normal. That was my trick question. You smashed it. Um, amniotic fluid index. Any thoughts? 
<laughs> so this is when you measure the vertical height of I the. I fucking love the vertical height. I know. Of fluid. Um, me- made by measuring the vertical height of the deepest fluid pocket, pocket yeah. in each quadrant, and then summing the four measurements. Yes, 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 yes. The normal is twenty. Five to twenty. Oh, yeah, very good. Um, and then, so oligohydramnios is defined less as five. less than five. Poly, more than twenty. Very nice. Or sneaky, a single fluid pocket of greater than a lot. Well, we said that it was um, greater than five. Well, that would give you twenty, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, greater than ten. Eight. <laughs> Sorry to be difficult. <laughs> so there we are. Accurate. Um, that is that bit. Now we're going to talk a little bit about normal development. Yeah, yeah we've got another 15 minutes. So. Perfect. Um, he says, I'm briefly going to touch on what I think is testable trivia regarding Great. normal development. Love that. Brain. Choroid plexus. It's usually quite prominent initially. Yes. Uh, Quite hyperechoic. Hyperechoic, echogenic. Lovely. Um, Another piece of trivia might help to remember. The reason I remember this is because in one of the baby surgeons' episodes, they're querying whether one of the choroids is too much and whether there's like a bit of malignancy. I remember seeing the scan and I was like, oh, really nice. Oh, I'll watch it then. Yeah. Um, there's another fact about the choroid plexus yeah. we should know. There should be less than three millimetres of separation okay. from the medial wall of the lateral ventricle. So that's between the medial wall of the lateral ventricle and the choroid. Yeah. yeah. If there's more gap there... It's like a dangling choroid, isn't it? It's a dangling choroid, um, and it makes you think about ventriculomegaly. So yeah. for some reason, they've got like a hydrocephalus. Um, cisterna magna. Um, ah, if it's too big, you're going to think of um, Daddy Walker. Dandy Walker. Dandy <laughs> Walker. <laughs> and if it's too small, Chiari. Which Chiari? Two. Yes. <laughs> so the cisterna magna should be between two millimetres and 11 millimetres. Oh too small, Chiari two. Too large, Dandy Walker. And Chiari two is when you get cerebellar descent yeah. right so your, your sternum and everything is small and so and it's squashed everything down it's a bit elongated yeah. and comes down and fine. you can be with chiari too fine but you can get slow progression of hypercephalus and suddenly present gosh and the reason that i this is at the top of my head is because i had to do a neck scan on some a patient 30 sported i'd say who knew had that but obviously didn't get well educated. Chiari 2 rather than Chiari 1. Yeah. Huh. And presented as a go for like urgent like emergency. That's interesting. Whatever. And then Dandy Walker, is that Dandy Walker is a case that one of the consultants showed me and I sent to you. Right. And that's a lot of space. And do you know how like you get is that when like um, the cerebellum's just not forming? Well do you know how sometimes you get an arachnoid cyst, but that's mm. more like one-sided. Yeah. It's essentially like the whole back of the cerebellum, there's a lot of space. Yeah. And it's like very, I think, only the posterior fossa space. Congenital brain malformation in which the vermis, the cerebellar vermis, does not form. Yeah. And the fourth ventricle and space behind the cerebellum are enlarged. Yeah. Very good. So, 
that makes sense. Tell me about, oh, this is stupid. Face slash neck, the fulcrum of the upper lip is normal and should not be called no, a cleft lip. Yeah. So that's just that line, yeah. isn't it? But um, I don't understand how if you saw it, you might be like, oh, crap, look, because I'm seeing something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Lungs? Um, what does it look like? An ultrasound? It can be quite hyperechoic, weirdly. Yeah. So the lungs are normally homogeneously echogenic yeah. and similar in appearance to the liver. Mm. I suppose because they're not full of air. Mm. Mm. Um, la- uh, heart. There's one thing to look at here. One thing to know here, he says. The pumping? No. No. He says, the only thing to know is that a papillary muscle oh, yeah. can calcify. Oh, yeah, and that's when you get an echogenic focus. That can be normal, but it increases your chances of Down syndrome. So you look harder. For other things. Exactly. Um, papillary muscles, they're only in your left ventricle. Is that right? Mm, that's very interesting. Because then in your right ventricle, you have that band, but that's not something different, isn't it, the separating band moderator band yeah i thought the moderator band was in the right, right ventricle right. you're correct yeah. Yeah. yeah uh maybe papillary muscles are only in the left ventricle i don't know okay um abdominal yeah oh <laughs> uh the liver mm, no i'll just tell you these yeah. ones um <laughs> if you see one artery Oh, adjacent yes. to the bladder. Um, you're thinking maybe it's just a two-cord, two-vessel cord. A two-vessel cord, yeah. exactly, which we'll talk about. I oh, know we'll talk about it now. Um, there are two main ways to show a two-vessel cord. So you either try and image the cord on transverse and show that there's only two vessels. Yeah. Or what we said, that there's only one along the bladder. Exactly, yeah. So... Um, you can either show the cord in cross section with just two vessels. Yeah. Uh, so and you have then... three, two arteries, one vein. Uh, I think so. I think. Yeah. It should say that. It doesn't. Oh, <laughs> um, but that makes sense. You would have, or is it two arteries, one vein? But what was the thing next to the bladder? Hang on, arteries. Uh, Two arteries, one vein. Yeah, of course, yeah. because it comes. They come from like the iliac system, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got two arteries. They're coming away, and they're bringing the crap, whereas the vein is taking the good stuff into the baby. Yes. 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 Two red things. Correct. Um, so the other way to show a two-vessel cord is a single vessel running lateral to the bladder mm-hmm. down by the cord insertion. Which I'm assuming what it's saying is that normally you should have two. Yeah. 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 Um, bowel should be less than how many millimetres in diameter? Six. Six. Very nice. Um, and then bowel can be moderately echogenic in yes. the second and third trimester, but shouldn't be more than bone. Happy, yeah, and that means he then tells us. He tells us about that in a minute. Yeah. Let me just read that. Hang on. I can't it was. Oh, there is more about the cord here. Hang on, I'll come back to that later. Then why does he do it twice? What a load of rubbish! Echogenic bowel. This can be a normal variant, but can also be associated with significant bad things. Normal bowel is isoechoic to the liver. 
if it's equal to the iliac crest bone, then it's too bright. Mm. The differential for this includes cystic fibrosis, downs, and other trisomies, viral infections, and bowel atresia. Okay. Great. Um, Adrenal glands are huge in newborns and are said to be 20% of their, 20 times their relative size. Huge. Mad, isn't it? Um, I'm going to keep going. This is still normal development. Um, You get something called a cystic rhombencephalon. Six months. Fine. Um, Oh, yeah, which can be normal. Is normal, yeah. yeah. So it looks like a cystic structure in the posterior fossa at around six to eight weeks. Okay. It's not a dandy walker malformation. That's the main thing you would call it by accident. So yeah. normal to have a cystic structure in the posterior fossa six, six to eight, eight weeks. weeks. It's a cystic rhombencephalon. Okay. Um, another thing that's normal, so physiological mid-gut herniation. Oh, yeah. The midgut normally herniates into the umbilical cord around what weeks? Nine to 11. Okay. Don't call it an omphalocele. It's trying to catch you out. Yeah. So normal to have nine midgut to herniation weeks. nine to 11 weeks. So you've got your cystic rhombencephalon six to eight weeks and midgut herniation nine to 11 weeks. That's all for this. Then we move on to some bits about placenta and umbilical cords and stuff so I think that's next episode kind regards